What do you give a king? What do you give a king? Have you ever thought of that? Well, my mom always taught me never to turn up empty-handed. And it's funny, I have a dear friend of mine, and every time I go, I, I try and think of something to bring her. And she's like, Siobhan, you don't have to do this. And I like, it's my way of honoring you. It's my way of thanking you for your time and your investment. And so, Father, I thank you that you are our Lord and King. And I pray that we turn up this morning not empty-handed. For me, I commit to giving my voice my heart, my mind, over to God. May he use it as he sees fit. I pray that he uses your ears, your attention, your posture. Would you posture yourself this morning as a gift to God? You know, what else can you bring him? You could bring him your attention. You could bring him your ears, your heart. And so this morning, Lord, Accept these gifts as our hallelujah to you. Amen. Amen. You can take your seats. Oh, I'm really excited. Now, this is probably information you don't need, but today I decided I don't want a handheld mic, right? Because I have things that I need to express and I need hands to do it. Okay, so, and I have sleeves that I feel like will help me with the job. So uh, here we go. Um, you know, over the last couple of weeks, we have been looking at the mantle and our mantle. We've been focusing on that. And for those of you who are new with us today, a mantle is simply a representation of our calling or our purpose in God, something that he asks and of us and graces us for. And so we've been looking at this mantle. We've also, last week, we looked at the need for perseverance, and we encouraged one another. We built one another up in the faith to say, stay committed to the process. We looked at different people in the Bible and how they needed to go again and again and again until God had completed the work in them. And perseverance produced strength, maturity, confidence in God. So that mantle, that calling could sit on mature shoulders. That's what we looked at last week. And so if you haven't heard the couple, last couple of messages, I encourage you to go online and listen to them. But today... I want to take a little bit of a, a sidestep. It's still about the mantle, but I want to move from this sort of individual question we've been asking God of, Lord, what are you saying to me? What are you gracing me for? And what am I going to do about it? This is the conversation we've been having. But I, I want to shift us now to have a lens of community. It's really important that I want to take you on a journey to see how important it is for you to know that when you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to being a part of his family. And I want to unpack that today. You know, clothing is an important part of humanity. Right in the beginning of the Bible and throughout the Bible, God has used clothing to often illustrate something outwardly of an internal nature. So if you go right in the beginning of the Bible and you look at, in the book of Genesis, it's literally the first book, you have Adam and Eve. And the moment they sin, the very first thing they do is they take some fig leaves and try and cover their nakedness. Then God, he actually kills an animal 
and makes them some new clothes out of hide. This is a symbol that Jesus is the lamb who had to die for us to cover our sin. And we see clothing right in the beginning of the Bible being used to illustrate something. Often, if people in Scripture were mourning, they would wear something called sackcloth, which is really itchy and painful to wear to show the torment that they were feeling inside. Kings wore kingly robes. Apparently, a leather belt is a sign of intense self-discipline. No leather belt, guys. But <laughs> more information than you needed. Sorry about that. But uh, Elijah and John the Baptist, they were known to wear leather belts because they had a very strong self-discipline. But you know, that's not just for then. That's for now. So if you like a certain band, guess what? You're probably going to wear something that tells people that. If you like a certain brand or designer, you wear their clothes to communicate something. We've even seen people in protests wearing something collectively to show they are part of a community that is standing up against injustice. We use clothes to communicate, and so does God. So the title of my message today is Cut from the Same Cloth. I started to think about fabric. And if the mantle, the design of it, is bespoke to you. Okay, a dear friend of mine called Annette, she sews her own clothes, and she has loads of patterns. So she can design something that fits her perfectly. In fact, I borrowed her mannequin. I feel like it's, um, she, it's called Nellie. Hi, Nellie, but it's a little taller than I expected. But anyway, so Annette lent me Nellie, and this is so that she can shape her clothes bespoke to her. So if you're calling, God brings it to you knowing who you are, knowing your gifting, knowing your personality, that is fit by design for you. It's an individual fit. But I'm here to tell you, the fabric is not. The fabric speaks about something that you belong to. The fabric of your calling should show you who you're following. The fabric, the threads of my life should mirror Jesus. And so I kind of started to think about some fabrics that showed you belonged to a family, to a tribe, to a clan. And this, guys, by the way, is the Taylor Clan Tartan. Yeah, ooh, right? I could only get a little bit because it's very expensive. So in my head, when I was like imagining how I'd bring this message, I thought I'd have a big roll of fabric, do something dramatic, but it was very expensive. So just imagine the dramaticness. It's just a little, a little piece. But the threads in here, the threads in your mantle should tell you about the history of your family. They should tell you about the one you follow. You know, um, I want to read to you in Galatians. Galatians 3, this is what it says. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. 
Don't you think? I was like, put on Christ. Let me tell you, there are loads of verses. This is not a one-off. I'm just going to rattle through some. In Romans 13, 14, it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 13, 11, it says, put on the armor of light. Ephesians 4, 24, and to put on our new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Colossians 3.10 says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become more like him. I'm so grateful that he covers me with something already that starts to speak of his nature. The fact that he wants to cover me speaks about his faithfulness and his love. You know, Jesus himself belonged to a tribe. He belonged to a tribe of Judah. And the symbol of that tribe is a lion. And it represents, you might hear this phrase, the lion of Judah. It actually speaks about who Jesus is. I love the song that we just sang. It said, there's a lion inside of me. It's speaking about when we've received Jesus, We've received the Lion of Judah. Now, there were 12 tribes in Israel. There was a man, Jacob, who had 12 sons, and each tribe came, originated from one of those sons. And one of those sons was called Judah. And that is the line that Jesus comes from. It's important that you know that you are part of a tribe. And I want to tell you there are three main reasons why I think it's really important you know that when you are a follower of Jesus, this is not purely an individual pursuit, but you are with a company of people that call themselves children of the living God. It's important for three reasons. One, inheritance. Two, unity. And three, service. If I was to look at this tartan, I'd kind of look at the blue and say, that might represent inheritance. I might look at the yellow strand that goes through that and talk about unity, the thread of unity. And that dash of salmon pink, that could represent our service. But all these threads intermingle and tie and hold each other up. And so the first thing I want to talk about is inheritance. Why it's important for you to know that you're part of a tribe. Let me tell you, inheritance needs to be claimed. There are banks for, that the government have that are full of unclaimed inheritance. Because people didn't know that being a part of that family meant there was an inheritance that they could engage with. I want to tell you, when you say yes to Jesus, and for some of you, you might decide to do that today for the first time, you say yes to an inheritance. We have a shared history because of Jesus. We have a shared hope because of Jesus. We have a shared set of values that we live by because of the clan we belong to, because of the head of our clan, Jesus, because of the head of our tribe. We have a shared history. We also have a shared future because of Jesus. It's important to know that you belong to this tribe and there is an inheritance for you. I'm not going to read it to you because it's a bit too long, but I just, if it's important to take notes, 
So if you have your phone or if you have a little notebook, take some notes because that way you can reflect on things, you can unpack it more. So if you just make a note of 2 Kings 2, 8 to 14, um, read that in your own time. But basically it's a story of where we have Elijah and we have Elisha. And they're about to cross the Jordan River. And so Elijah takes off his cloak and he wraps, he rolls it up and then he strikes the Jordan, the waters part and they cross. And as they cross, they start to talk. And Elisha says to Elijah, I want what you've got. In fact, he's a little bit cheeky and I think God loves a cheeky ask. He says, I want a double portion. And so Elijah says, okay, you ask a difficult thing, but if you're with me when I go to be with God, it will be yours. And so Elijah goes up and, and it talks about chariots and fires and, and he sees them. And as he sees them, the cloak drops and Elisha picks it up. What I love about what he does next is he goes back to the river, he rolls it up and he says, where is the God? Where is our Lord, the God of miracles? And he strikes it again, and the waters part, and it crosses. I think he was checking. Let me just check. <laughs> I saw, you know, the man of God's gone, and he's given me his cloak. Let me just check that I've got the download, that I have received the authority, the power, the anointing, the inheritance that I asked for. And he goes and he strikes the water and it, and it opens up and he can cross because the Lord saw his faithfulness and empowered it. There is an inheritance that's yours. But it requires a step of faith. It requires you to respond to who he is. So another thread in this mantle is one of unity. And I want to read this to you. In Colossians 3, 15 to 16, it says, Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And cultivate thankfulness. You know, um, those tribes that I was talking about, those 12 tribes, if you read in the book of Numbers, you see how they used to camp together as a family. There's like a formation. And the tabernacle, which was a tent, which housed the Spirit of God, was in the center. But what would happen is a trumpet would be sounded because above this tent, if you like, was either a cloud during the day or fire during the night. And it represented this, this, the presence of God. And when they were camping, when the fire or the cloud rested, the people were to remain. But when that moved, they were to move. And they were meant to move in unity. Now, I don't know if you were watching that video when Ben, our senior leader, was talking about what's gonna happen on the 6th of November. Let me tell you, that is the sound of a trumpet. That is the sound of a trumpet. What we're doing is we're saying to the family, we're about to move. Are you coming? It's important to recognize that you are a part of the family because when the family moves, you need to come. 
And unity is important. I want to stress, we are not changing direction. But what we are doing is moving forward. That's what we are doing. You know, when we read the stories of the people of God, when they were coming out of captivity and into their promised land, when they were not unified, when there was disunity, they often were stuck and they didn't move forward. When you read again about a next generation of people, of the followers of, of God, in Joshua, there was such unity about, amongst them that they marched around a city. Seven, for seven days, they marched around, and God empowered their unity. So when they gave a shout, the cities were theirs to take. On the 6th of November, we're giving a shout. We're giving a shout that is going to announce anything that held us back as a town, as a community. We're pushing back the kingdom of darkness, and we're piercing it with light. You need to know that you are a part of that family because you have a part to play. Unity is important. It commands a blessing. Let me tell you, unity is not opposed to being an individual. They're not opposing thoughts. When I use my individuality to serve God and his people, there is a commanded blessing and we do it with synergy and harmony together. We are more effective when we move as one. The final thread I want to talk about in this cloak that you wear and the fabric of who Jesus is, is service. If we can have Luke 19 up. I tell you, this is one of my favorite verses. It's very short and very simple. Jesus is about to walk into Jerusalem, is riding on a donkey into Jerusalem, and he's making his way to the cross. And this is what it says. As he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. If you read on, it says they made such a cheer the, you know, long live the king, like they would shout, Hosanna, like we were singing before. They made such a cheer, there was such a celebration. They took their cloaks, they took their calling, and they laid at the feet of Jesus to make a way for him in the city. Their praise and their service to Jesus made such a commotion that the legal, um, the re religious leaders asked Jesus, aren't you going to tell them to stop? And Jesus says... If they didn't do this, if they didn't worship me, even the rocks would cry out. They praised him in such a way, the city took notice. I wonder what you will lay at the feet of Jesus so that the town will make, take notice. I wonder how you will serve Jesus so that you can announce the arrival of the king. <laughs> Backstage, I was saying to the team, I was like, oh, did you know this is Taylor Tartan? Well, um, and I said, how much do you think it was? And so they were all guessing, and I'm like, so for this little square, right? I don't know, I don't normally buy fabric. It's 30 pounds. It, yeah. So someone said to me, couldn't you have got like a replicate? Like something to replicate it? It's not the real thing. 
Well, no. Because there is no replicating of Jesus. There is no, there is no substitute for what he did for us and who he is to us. He is the only way. And then Rachel said to me, Siobhan, so what are you going to do with it afterwards? Because it's a very expensive bit of cloth. When you realize that your mantle, your calling, is made from an expensive fabric, you want to make sure you do something with it. Our hearts are stirred to say, what a waste it would be if it just hung in the cupboard. It doesn't announce to the town who I follow. It doesn't announce to the town the family I belong to. But I lay it at his feet. You know, sometimes we could go, this is expensive fabric. Like, you know, and we could get precious about it. I've met some people who are quite precious about their faith. Oh, don't invite them in. They don't look like us. But you know what? He gave his life so that all may know. And they took their cloaks. You know, it's the most expensive thing. If you read back in Luke that they would have had. So they took what was most precious to them, that often it was part of their protection against the elements. It was the most expensive thing. Just to lie at his feet. So that the king could come in. I don't know what you want to lie at the feet of Jesus. But so that others may know that he so loved the world that he so loved you, that he so loved me. He didn't just lay a cloth, he laid his son on a cross for you and I. The very least I could do was give what was so freely given to me. The calling that he made fit me was made out of a fabric that was paid for me. And it is a costly fabric. But it speaks about the Lion of Judah. Would you stand? We're going to pray.